exactly what it sounds like. It was a corn dog, but in muffin form. It had a little hot dog, little wiener in the middle. <laughs> Sorry, okay. I'm Don't six. Chicago, we'll say with our chest that of all the sports, soccer is the best. We're talking fire, the Red Stars, Premier League to boot. With Brady, Dave, and Herman, you might learn a thing or two, because we're the Windy City. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Windy City Wingers podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Fire, Chicago Red Stars, and a trip across the globe for a soccer update from all around the world. My name is Alex Herman, and I'm joined, as always, by Brady Olson and Dave Kolichkowski. Boys, how are we doing? Doing fine. Dude, I'm excited. Feeling patriotic. Yes. Yes. Good times. We live... We live in a city full of winning teams right now, and it's for very winners. fun. Except for the Cubs. <laughs> yeah. Boy, did they true. fall off. And, huh? and the White Sox lost to the Twins yesterday, so I still get to feel good about baseball. So nothing about your statement was true, except for fire. <laughs> <laughs> the teams that matter right now to, to this podcast are winners. And the 4th of July was this past weekend. Yes. Yes. Feeling pumped up about Merca. Feeling real good. Today is Tuesday, July 6th. Happy belated 4th of July to everyone. And what a fantastic 4th of July it was. Have brats, hot dogs, real dogs, friends, <laughs> day drinking, fireworks. Uh, was a fantastic day. Always have a good 4th of July. Super hot. Needed to change pants a couple times, Mm -hmm. but it was, what a fantastic day. And Dave, I know you spent it up in the suburbs, correct? I did. Yes. I did a chill version of the 4th. Got a huge fireworks guy. So yeah. Yeah. You know, you've seen one fireworks display. You've kind of seen all of them in my mind. Disagree. Blow, totally blow something up in front of me. I'm happy with it. Anything. I d- <laughs> sure. Everyone loves to watch explosions. Fine. You can, <laughs> you can have that one. But I would like to note that majority rule, two to one, Dave is on my side. Fine. Yes. You're just, you're just curmudgeons. Is what We're you're not a fireworks podcast. <laughs> Save it for the fireworks podcast, Brad. <laughs> now, I have some awards to give out for the 4th of July. Is this something I do every year? No, but this year it feels necessary. So first off, the most memorable moment on the 4th of July. Uh, We were playing catch. Bucky caught a Nerf football on the run, one-handed with a beer in the other hand. He got down on one knee to make the grab. So in one word, dedication. Benanet, benanet. Yeah, that was a web gem. It was awesome. (laughs) 
So Bucky gets awarded most memorable moment. Thank you, Bucky. We had a huge spread of food that was available uh, for everyone to eat on the 4th of July in the park. The most unique food item that was brought was, in my mind, homemade Pop-Tarts and corn dog muffins slash cupcakes. Mm -hmm. I'd never had either of those food items. And I believe it was Devin that brought both of those. So thank you, Devin. Please explain homemade Pop-Tarts to me. Well, they just... Right. They just looked like pastries, kind of, or they looked like Hot Pockets, but mm-hmm. were like decorated with uh, 4th of July, I don't know, shapes, stars. Yeah. Dude, and I actually didn't eat either of these things. What? But- <laughs> okay. So as someone who I ate did, it with my eyes. Though. Yes. I was going to say I ate both with my eyes, but I need Brady to weigh in on how they tasted. Fine. What a weird. <laughs> no, they were delicious for the strange. record. Thank you, Devin. But yeah, it was just like basically like a puff pastry, but then had a glaze on the outside and then some mm. sort of like jelly on the inside. It was delicious. So and then more of a dog. toaster strudel then, right? Okay. Uh, All right. Are we, are we going to start Fine. dissecting those? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> hey, this is a very important thing. One you take out of the freezer. It is. Though. The other you get in a box. <laughs> it is an important <laughs> distinction, but the it was described to me as a homemade Pop-Tart. Again, I did okay. not eat okay. said That's food on. item. That's on me. I can't tell you <laughs> if the pastry texture was closer to a strudel or closer to a Pop-Tart. Brady. Please okay, give continue. us the answer. It was Pop Tart. Okay. Pop Tart okay. consistency. All right. All, right. All right. Okay. And corn dog muffin, corn dog cupcake. What was that like? Uh, just exactly what it sounds like. It was a corn dog, but in muffin form. It had a little hot dog, little wiener in the middle. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I'm six. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, yeah, it was just a really good sort of corn muffin around it and was delicious. You know what's awesome is that a six-year-old and a 29-year-old male's <laughs> sense of humor are the exact same thing. Well, yeah, when you're me. <laughs> Thank you, Devin. I'd never had either one of those things. Uh, still have never had them, uh, but I've seen them now, and that's half the fight. The laziest food item con- contributed, on the other hand, Uh, Whoever brought the spicy nugs from Wendy's, it was clutch, much needed at that time, but it is uh, the laziest food item that was on there. And it was between that and just the box of Popeyes might have been brought by the same person. Do you know, Brad, who who brought the spicy nugs? I do, in fact, know that the person or persons that brought the Popeyes and spicy nugs were in fact the same people, nice. <laughs> and I will not reveal who those individuals are. I'm so 90. Just, <laughs> so did they just run out of Popeyes, and then they walked to the closest fast food restaurant, which happened to be Wendy's, like halfway <laughs> through the day? No, it was all it was all Popeyes. It was just all right, all right. <laughs> a different box. <laughs> but I always it's it's interesting to me to see who just brings fast food. Uh, to potlucks or whatever the holiday may be. So again, I needed some spicy nugs in my life. Really glad yeah, I got oftentimes them. Oftentimes it, it kills. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, so I'm not going to judge them for it. I appreciated it. <laughs> All right. Getting into the more serious awards here. These are the ones that people want to hear about. Very serious. 
most drunk by lunch award. Uh, that's going to go to Ian. That's going to go to was, our producer. <laughs> <laughs> Ian was consistently drunk from the time that I arrived to the time I left. And I love me a drunk Ian on the 4th of July. Multiple times throughout the day, we got in shouting matches about nothing, which was great. Mm-hmm. And there was a point in the day when I looked over at him and he was looking up into the sky like he was already seeing fireworks, even though the sun was still out. <laughs> so congratulations, Ian. You've done us proud. Most sausages eaten. This is going to go to Brad this year. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you didn't have as many as you wanted to on the day of. Is that correct? I did not break any land speed records. No. Okay. Uh, okay. Not my best effort, but sausages were eaten and they were delicious. Thank you, Herman. Now, if we were to expand the time frame for eating sausages from just the 4th to include the 5th of July yesterday, did you uh, cook some more of those sausages that you did not cook on the 4th? They are still in waiting. They are ready, but everyone was lazy and didn't want to cook yesterday. How is that possible? Okay. You answered that question. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I didn't want to cook yesterday either. (laughs) I pretty much survived off of watermelon and cookies, and it was... Pretty so awesome, actually. We should probably plug Gene Sausage so in hopes that one day they Ooh. will sponsor. <laughs> there you go. They came through again this year. Gene Sausage in Lincoln Square. It's mm-hmm. a, it's They're a ridiculously good. Grocery store and very German uh, yeah. place to buy food. So They're awesome. Great. And also, they use a pull, the, pull a number system, which I've not seen yes. a deli do in a very long time. So, good on them. Good stuff. And finally... We have best dad bod. Now, uh, there are requirements to be considered for this award. Uh, You need to be slightly buzzed at at least some point throughout the day when your dad bod is on display. And really what that means is no shirt. Right. You got to let it all hang out. Mm -hmm. This year, we had two main contenders. And it was a very close call. But Ian is also going to take home this trophy. Ian owns it, loves it, and the other competitor was Brad. And I mean, like, yeah, you well. both have the hairy chest, hairy back <laughs> situation going on. But I think just Ian playing uh, jumbo beer pong and throwing uh, the buckets around and being as uh, drunk and rambunctious as he was, I, he just he takes it this year. So we can all shoot for that goal next year. Well deserved. Well earned. Next year, I may try and claim it for myself. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations to all our award winners. And Ian, congratulations, but also thank you for all that you do for the podcast. I love you. (laughs) Leave all of that last in. (laughs) All right. Let's get to the sports. Sports ball. Soccer ball. Quick check-in with the loons up in Minnesota. This week, they played the San Jose Earthquakes on July 3rd, and they ended up with a draw 2-2. Two to two. So, uh, we're kind of on this mediocre performance streak in Minnesota. The first Quakes goal was the most garbage defensive play 
I've seen in a while by DeBassi, uh, it reminded me of a Calvo type situation who got the ball, was wow. going to do a back pass to the goalie and just took his sweet time with it, uh, not paying attention to the player directly on his back who took it and put it in for the goal. And the second Loon's goal was a penalty kick that the goalkeeper blocked uh, off of his hands and didn't hold on to it. And Abila just ran up and kicked it right in. So I would say, you know, all goals are earned, so to speak. Um, but each team kind of had a, a really good goal. And then a, eh, well, that was the other team just kind of giving you one goal. So Sounds like draw. soccer. Yep, it definitely <laughs> does. And the end result of a draw two to two sounds very soccer. Um, another thing I noticed looking at this game is multiple opportunities for uh, San Jose came from really bad turnovers from the Loons. That's been an issue for them all season, continues to be. Managed to get away with it this time. Um, we'll hold on to that point, but uh, much room for improvement from the Loons. And now to the big event. Chicago Fire played Atlanta United this week. Came away with a huge victory. Three to nothing. Mm-hmm. Brady was at this game. I was at this game. Heck Girlfriends yeah. were at the game. Brady's mom was at the at the game. It was an awesome, awesome environment in the stadium. Lots of energy. A really, really fun game to go to. Yep. The first game with unlimited capacity in Chicago and Soldier Field. So that was awesome. The lower bowl was mostly filled. You can correct me if I'm wrong here, Herman. And there were upper seats. There were, there were a decent amount of people up there. But I noticed that it was people that were trying to get away from being so close to everybody in the lower bowl. I noticed that people started to move up there towards the second half, which, good on you. I mm-hmm. think it's a great way to watch a game as well. Uh, mm-hmm. The estimate was 15,000 people on MLSsoccer.com. Uh, that's not exactly what Soldier Field is expecting, but with the fire's performance so far, I was pretty happy with it. And like you said, you could feel the energy. It was a fun one to go to. Yeah, it really was. And beer selection was on point. Exactly what I wanted was some Heineken's. And uh, we got to sit directly in front of some Atlanta fans. So I got to hear Ooh. their disappointment as well, which was really wonderful. It's just like the Eat cherry off. on top of the Sunday when your team is playing well. They were a very nice family. So good that you took that away. From. <laughs> <laughs> I know they were a nice family and Morgan was talking to the children, but I still, their anguish sustains me. <laughs> And so uh, Brady and I got to chat with each other uh, throughout the game and across multiple people, which is always a lot of fun because I like to yell at sporting events. Mm -hmm. Um, And so right away, Brady, you had information for me on what the fire were playing. I immediately noticed the 5-3-2 that the fire came out in, and I was immediately very happy about it. Uh, It put people into way more ideal situations and positions for their skill sets. Pineda didn't have to play with his back to the field because he was the furthest fire player back sweeping up the the crap. It was great. Bornstein did have to play to replace Calvo, who was doing international duty with Costa Rica. And Bornstein is not as mobile as he used to be, which makes him pretty much ideal for this left center back. He's smart and he's a good defender. So I liked him there and he didn't have to get up and down the field. 
Sekulic and Navarro are better wing backs than they are straight up outside backs just because they're better attackers, I think, at this point in their careers than they are defenders. And they had that extra support of an extra center back behind them so they could take more risks, which we'll see later on in this game. Madron did really well as a single pivot player. He is confident in his own half mm-hmm. because he is so skilled on the ball. And then he's good at running downhill when the opportunity arises. I will talk about how the fire played downhill in this game. Yes. And then it simplifies and connects Aliceda and Barrich in the ways that they play. Barrich could be a specific target man and we find him hit his chest and then he can create from there. And then Aliceda just find space and be dangerous instead of having to worry about maybe having to defend on the wing or anything like that. He just find space, create opportunities and boy, does he in this game. Yeah, absolutely. And another player not mentioned here, I thought Madron really stuck out to me as having a great game. He flashed on the field. Mm -hmm. Um, Frankie had a fantastic game. Mm -hmm. He instantly, you could tell he was fired up, was ready to go. He was physical. He was all over the place. He was fast. I thought uh, within the first, I don't know, 15 to 20 minutes, I looked over to Brad and said, Frankie, spicy. (laughs) Yeah. He must have been coming off that energy from playing for Poland then, right? That's what Brad says. Yeah, yeah. sorry if I stole your thunder there, but I think that he's got to be seeing the game at a completely different pace than... You know, the rest of the teams are after playing he looked, over there. So he looked like it, man. He was flying. It was noticeable and it's amazing what confidence does for a soccer player. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And I think, you know, I'm gonna be super excited to watch him for the rest of the summer. And then you were mm-hmm. talking about Madron. Like, yeah, he just looked almost back to his normal self, like from last year. Like, you know, all the everything kind of came together and then like the breakout game for Elisada that we've all been waiting for for over a year. Like this was an amazing <laughs> thing to happen in front of one of the best crowds at Soldier Field that we've been able to bring out, which might have been due to the fireworks. But hey, it ended up working out anyways, you know, like <laughs> exactly. It's great. Fireworks on and off the field. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a physical game. Uh, right out the gates. Yellow cards were exchanged. Uh, both teams within the first 30 minutes, people were getting smashed. People were falling over. Lots of yelling in the stands. A lot of fun. One of the main differences between Frank DeBoer and uh, Atlanta's new manager, Gabriel Heinze, is Heinze is more of a man-marking style. It's not as intense as San Jose's, but it's still pretty man-marking. So there's plenty of fouls. And you're going to run into the same player over and over. So that can lead to more just scuffles and and vowels that are ticky tack and whatnot. And then also when you're a fire team that's losing right now, every 50-50 has to mean more. And the fire weren't afraid to leave a foot in at home. You know, get out of my house. This is This is my place. I think there were 26 fouls in this game, which is pretty high for an MLS game. And it's part of what makes Atlanta different this year than they have been in prior years. Yeah, that really sums it up uh, well. And that choppy feeling, I guess, is kind of explained by all that as well. So mm-hmm. it was, it was, it wasn't like super for me. It was hard to kind of get in. In like mm-hmm. the energy was great, but from like watching it from afar, um, like this, the choppiness was kind of frustrating at times. But you know, it was cool to still see everybody there, and it was exciting. That's, so yeah, <laughs> and that's interesting because I don't remember the beginning of the game being choppy because I think being there, I was part of that energy. And, you know, every time 
there's a fire player down at the field. I'm yelling along with everyone else. Ah, um, rabble, rabble, I, rabble. And I, yes. And I can hear Brady screaming from his seat. Uh, from is, seat. That's the difference. of being in Exactly. The and then when you're at home, uh, you don't get that. So it's, uh, you know, any sport that's really penalty heavy right out the gate can be hard to watch at home. But when you're there, whew, yeah. you're in it. You're mad. We're talking about the choppiness of the game, but did we notice how many chances were created by Atlanta in those first 30 minutes? Yes, that was true too. It was very nerve wracking as well. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was going to say there weren't that many. There wasn't that intense of a defensive pressure. I felt uh, like they were closer though at times than we were, even though it wasn't a ton of efforts. Like there were still some scary moments like at the beginning, but they were, they, they got through it to your point, Brady, is that Mm -hmm. they kind of were, they were more collected than they had been in the past. I think we're, we're kind of talking about two different segments of the game because I think early on, Atlanta were on the front foot, probably first 10 minutes. Yeah. Because yeah. the fire are playing with the five at the back. That can be something that can be, you get pushed back into your own half and then things look kind of bad. What I noticed was the ball was in front of the fire the majority right. of the time. And that sets up the rest of this game is the fire had a strong base and Perhaps we're losing the first 10 minutes of the game or so, but kept the ball in front of them and were ready to spring when the right situation happened. And the right situation occurred in the 34th minute. Ali Seda with his first goal as a member of the Chicago Fire. Heck Huge yes. moment. Um, Madron has the ball, blows past his defender, finds Ali Seda open at the top of the box, and Ali Seda blasts one at the top of the goal, hits the bar, bounces down and in. So it wasn't the perfect shot that you might want for your first goal as a member of the Chicago Fire, but a goal is a goal. And right at the top 90, pretty good spot to put it. Um, it was liftoff at Soldier Field, as Arlo put it. That was a good call. Uh, I would say any goal counts the same. Yep. <laughs> and it, you'll notice how Ali Seda brightens up in this game after mm-hmm. just taking a shot, doing what he should have here is turn, touch, shoot, and you get lucky with the deflection. But again, soccer, you make your own luck. The thing that I noticed was the downhill nature of this goal. Herbers passes backwards to Madron in a way as to invite him forward. And we've seen Madron... When he dribbles at goal, he's very good at that. So we saw him score an amazing goal last year. And then also, just as a soccer coach, the thing that I loved was Frankie drops back as Madron makes his first like really aggressive touch past the defender. Frankowski noticed it and dropped back for balance. And that also provides space for Aliceta to move into the gap at the top of the box. I'm going to keep mentioning downhill and think of it like an NFL running back whenever they mention, oh, he's a great downhill runner. When these fire players can face goal and attack it that way, they seem so much more comfortable than with their back to play, except for players maybe like Barrich. Sure. Yeah, I was just going to point out that 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 shot also kind of took a deflection too, but I guess, you know, he just didn't care at all because I think at that point, anything like anything to spark plug the thing that was missing for him was huge. Mm-hmm. And just to see him screaming and like being able to connect with the fans like that was a big moment for him. And we should all be very excited. Um, and as you guys had mentioned, yep. Arlo white, 
like he is a treat. It's it is so much fun. Like to hear somebody with that energy and that wit, like it was just so cool. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Loved watching the highlights back because obviously we didn't get to hear that at the game, but great calls from Arlo all night long. And a great game for Ali Seda, who again in the fourth minute of stoppage time and for the first half puts another goal in. His big night just got bigger. Um, a really nice pick from Navarro to get the ball. Passes it to Ali Seda at the top of the box. Game over. Not really. Half <laughs> over. But that's the end of the story. Uh, Ali Seda puts it in. Fire and control going into the half feeling really good. You love a, a goal right before yeah. halftime. That is awesome. Again, notice the downhill nature. Navarro can see this pass all day, but as a strictly left back, he might not try to make this interception, but with extra defensive cover behind him, why the heck not? Go right after it. It's a perfect first time kind of stab pass. Really, the best part of it is just to intercept the ball mm-hmm. in the first place, And but he also makes a perfect pass with it. Uh, look at the confidence. Even a deflected goal gives Aliceta. Doesn't even think about it turns and this shot Guzan doesn't move yeah totally agree with that too Brady because you know like I was just saying you know you don't want it to be a deflection you want to hit it clean and now that he's got that that initial confidence and now that he put one in after riding that high and hits the perfect goal like now you just kind of expect him to like take off this season which is huge for us in the second half so super important that he does so let's let's hope that that he keeps that momentum yep. going. Absolutely. So a lot of positive momentum at the end of the first half. Coming into the second half, I was very nervous. This is when the fire usually kind of fall apart. The other team starts to come back. Uh, Wiki makes adjustments or doesn't make adjustments that need to be made. And the other team comes roaring back um, and either ties it up or wins. I was trying to hold off those negative thoughts and images, but I was just nervous going into the second half. We needn't have worried. In the 58th minute, Frankie comes through. He'd looked good all night, finally gets his goal. This is a really nice run from the fire. Madron to Erbers, Erbers to Aliceta, Aliceta to Frankowski, drills it in the corner of the goal. That was the nail in the coffin for Atlanta. Put him to sleep. This is probably the best example of downhill, other than maybe Navarro being able to spring forward. But the confidence from Aliceta, he wins this second ball here after a, a fire uh, headed the ball clear. Aliceta's got a defender on his back. No problem. I'm going to give it to Madron, and away we go. Madron, again, in this situation, is facing forward. He is facing downfield, and that's what starts everything. And now you have a flying sort of V of the fire going at the Atlanta goal. Absolutely fantastic. And I love this Frankie finish. Super composed. He had a really nice opportunity right before the Aliceta goal, actually. And Guzan made a nice save. Just shows, again, what confidence does in soccer is ridiculous. You can you think you can do these things, and then you try them, and they work. Or you don't even try stuff if you're not confident. So just absolutely wonderful. The key point there is... Yes, if you're confident in soccer and a professional, then you think oh, I can. I, I'm confident I can do it, and then you try and do it, and oh, you do do it. Me, on the other hand, 
not going to work that way. Okay. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> yes. The fire lacked confidence in these previous games. You could see it. And like you said, what they needed to do, if you're Ali Seda, if you're Frankie, uh, you, or if you're Barrich, you just need to touch and shoot. If you have the ball in position, you can't think about it, overthink it. And that's, that was the issue. Um, not for everyone on the team, but they just lack confidence overall. Mm-hmm. They got that back. I hope it continues. Yep. Agreed. So takeaways from this game, I had a ton of fun. Soldier Field is always fun to go to. It was really fun to be there with, I'm pretty sure it was less than 15,000 people yeah, there. It seemed like a generous amount. <laughs> yes. Um, and every time I've been there, it's been for Bears games and it's just jam packed. And it's not a ton of fun when you can't move around. Uh, I mean, it's always fun to go in a, to an NFL game, but being there with such limited numbers of people, I got there was actually space to move around, got to enjoy the stadium a little bit more, right. and the fire played really well. This is what I expected to see from the fire mm-hmm. this year, given how positive, positively you two talked about them uh, at the beginning of the season. The articles I was reading saying, you know, they really have a chance put their stamp on the league this year, make a run. Um, It's a great game to go to. Remember that we've been talking about unnecessary passes or perhaps not making an easy pass for no reason, just passes for possession's sake. We've been talking about why. Why do we even want the ball if we're not creating with it? This game, we had the lowest possession value of the entire season and one of the lowest passing percentages of the season. But we played with the ball in front of us, played like a coiled spring with extra coverage in behind us. It seemed to work much better for the type of personnel that we have. And I just, I really liked it. That is a great visualization, playing like a coiled spring. So you're, you're, you're back, ready to go. And then when it is time to attack, bam, you just go. And just about everyone is facing where we're attacking. And it just seems like the fire flow <laughs> that way really nicely. It's also, it goes with wiki style, which is Mm a don't slow down your attack, go right at the goal. And I just think a five back works better with how he wants the team to play. Plus the coverage it provides for in case Calvo comes back in Pineda's a youngster. There's just little things, little mistakes that we've been making that I think a five back just provides just that little bit more security. Okay. Very interesting. And I remember uh, Sid mentioning to me, looking at the stats of the game, how how low the possession percentage was for the fire. I think they were below 30% at some point. And I don't know what the final was, but I want to say it was close to 40% maybe. Um, And at that point, I think the fire had a one goal lead, had had the ball for 20% of the game. And she said, well, that's probably not, a very good sign. I said, well, not necessarily. It Soccer is one of the few games where possession does not necessarily indicate how well the game is going. And really what she was thinking about is the, the other game where you look at possession a lot is football. And in football, you want the ball yeah. as much as possible. And in soccer, not the case if you are counterattacking. And I don't necessarily know that that's what the fire was doing. Uh, for this game. I think it was just a matter of when we have it, we're going to attack. And when we don't, we're going to play five back defense. I think that's astute. 
Nice. I'm getting better at this game. (laughs) (laughs) So, in short, the five back were clean, sheet, and no calvo. Mm -hmm. I think that's the secret ingredient, but that should surprise no one. With no Calvo, there's no bonehead plays leading to a goal because Calvo forgets how to play soccer for five minutes straight and just gets turned around and doesn't know what to do. Okay, so, okay. I have to stop you here. Yeah, fine. You can whatever. call me a Calvo apologist if you want to, but I'm just going to have to stop you because he leads the team in interceptions, headed clearances, and aerials one. He's second in tackles one and ground duels one on this team. Calvo is not a center back for me of a two back. However, in the same way that he plays with Costa Rica, he's a very good three back center back. He likes to have that extra support behind him so he can play defense pretty aggressively. He almost seems like he should be a midfielder, but he just doesn't, I think, have the the quality on the ball to play that. Uh, But this is my Calvo apology right here. He is a better player and we've just been ripping him a lot. And I just wanted to point that out. So, okay, fine. It Maybe it's a product of Wiki's system then, Brady. That's Ooh. fine. I could deal with it. And now he's making that fix. Uh, like, And I guess the one thing I'll say is that Bornstein looked really good this game. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long that lasts, though, because he <laughs> is old. Like, So I guess if Calvo can like, switch in for Bornstein and make, you know, make the impact that he had like in that same system, I'm all for it. If he's quicker, he just cannot forget as Herman said said to play soccer for five minutes. Like or <laughs> or he can't he can't be making those mistakes or doing a bicycle kick for no reason just because it looks where, cool. Like yes, you know like where, <laughs> where is the minutes forgotten how to play sports stat? That's what yes. I want to look at because we're looking at hours. Brady, we're sending of you time to the film here. room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Number of balls caught in a game where you're not supposed to catch the ball. <laughs> um I w- uh did you see Bornstein at the end of the game, Dave? Because I did want to do a shout out there. <laughs> yes. Uh, he jumped. You mean like after? Yeah. After the game. No, was I over. did not. After the game, the final whistle was blown, he ran over to the supporters section and without hesitation jumps up into the supporters group, climbs into the middle, steals the mallet from the bass drum player, <laughs> and is banging along with the fans. <laughs> awesome. Love it. That is awesome. Stripped Very off cool. his shirt, gave it to someone, uh, obviously a, a avid supporter, because you don't be in the supporter section if you're not. And just yeah. I major points, major kudos, even if he didn't play well, but he jumps up there and does that. I was going to say. Yeah, major Maybe points Maybe he for found me. the fountain of youth or something like that. I was really <laughs> excited about it. So. <laughs> Yeah, that was a lot of fun to see. Cool. The the fire players were so happy with the crowd, so happy to get a win. Um, felt like they stayed on the fields uh, extra long just to hang out with the fans a little bit, uh, get to bask in the W. My two players that I love to watch this game, obviously, Alisada had a great game. I love to see Frankowski and Madron run around like they did. I just had... Uh, so much fun watching them play with that level of confidence and speed. Frankie indeed was spicy. Uh, Ali Seda was the MLS player of the week. And then both Ali Seda and Madron made the MLS team of the week. And the fire have not featured a lot in this team of the week. So that's fantastic to see. And 
I know people are going to say, oh, we're getting all pumped up about the fire because they beat Atlanta while Atlanta was missing two of their key players. And to the haters, I say a W always tastes good. Oh, yeah. Staying in Chicago, moving over to the ladies, the Red Stars. This week, they played the Washington Spirit and just like the fire came away with a victory, one, two, nothing. And the only goal of the game was an own goal on Rodar at the 33rd minute. Brad, what happened? This was a set piece goal, a corner kick by Mal Pugh to the far post. Kayla Sharples gets ahead on it and it goes off of Rodar in for the own goal. But Sharples also would have gotten the tap in. So in my own personal record book, Sharples goal, Pugh assist. Yeah, I totally agree. Like I wrote this <laughs> down before I watched, um, expecting to see something like, oh man, that's just sad that it went in, you know, because it's an own goal and it's unfortunate when that happens. But looking at it, I really felt like they should have credited uh, Sharples there. So mm-hmm. it's a bummer. So the only goal of the game came in the first 33 minutes. However, the action was not over. In the 47th minute, Rodman had a shot. Chicago fans, Dennis Rodman plays for the fire? What? (laughs) He does not. This was Trinity Uh, Rodman. (laughs) Uh, Trinity Rodman does a really nice job surrounded by five red stars. She won a second ball off of a red stars header and shot just outside the box, kind of the right side of the D. Pulls it nicely to the far post. And I wanted to give a shout out from a great save by our backup goaltender, Cassie Miller. Just want to shout out the backup goaltender because Alyssa Nairs with the Olympic team. So that was awesome. I'm going to keep rattling on here because Kelia Watt gets close to two in a row. She had a nice chip shot from the left side of the box that almost beat the goalkeeper. It was rather clever. And then in the 74th minute, she got a bit robbed. She sent a laser right at the bar. The ball bounced straight down and mysteriously close to in the net, but there was no goal given. Yeah. It's one of those, yeah, that goes straight down. It was, it probably was a goal. I don't actually know the goal line technology used in the NWSL, to be honest. I'm just glad that the Red Stars pulled it off uh, with a 1-0 win. Here is my analysis and a little quiz for y'all in a segment I'm going to call Simple Math. You can pick two of these percentages, 24%, 13%, 18%, or 20%. Pick two of those. I don't even, I'm not even going to give you context. Oh, this is like the worst math quiz ever. <laughs> I don't, or is it the best? I, I can't even, I don't know what I'm choosing for, so screw it. I'm going to go, I like rounded numbers, so I'm going oh, 20% and... I'll go 20% and 24%. Indeed. We want the higher percentages here. These are the Red Stars shot conversion. Shots to shots on goal. The 24% was against the Washington Spirit in a tying effort. The other two are in losing efforts. And then this most recent was a 20%, although we could call it 30% because I'm counting the one that went off the bar as a goal. So I'm counting it as a shot on target. Yeah, you know, my own record books and whatnot. What I'm trying to say is... Shot conversion for the Red Stars is critically important. When they put shots on target, they tend to win games. That's what I'm trying to get at. That's what the Red Stars need to focus on is they're finishing and putting the ball on target when they shoot. Super straightforward. 
Thank you so very much for the breakdown. (laughs) Coming up, the Red Stars play the Houston Dash on July 11th at 5 p.m. Now for the biggest stage of them all, or the current stages, the Olympics are happening later this summer. That's a pretty big stage, but the biggest stage currently (laughs) in the world of soccer, the Euros. Last week, we picked our game of the week. Belgium versus Italy. Big, huge showdown between two teams that have been playing very well in the Euros. Italy came away with the victory here. Two to one over Belgium. Brad, I know you love formations. Mm -hmm. What did you see from Belgium in this particular game? Because I know there were some questions coming into the game. Well, first of all, I saw that I called this one. <laughs> Round of applause for me. Yeah, enjoy it while last. <laughs> <laughs> Belgium played their typical 3-4-3 that we've already talked about, but Italy countered with their own version, essentially, which totally blew up what Belgium were trying to do. Mm. Belgium did trick us. They played De Bruyne after saying that he was definitely out, so I thought that was interesting. And he looked amazingly good for having torn ligaments in his ankle, which I didn't know about until well after the game. That's insane. What kind of painkillers was he on? Good question. (laughs) I would like to know for someone else, not for my (laughs) own person. Uh, Italy, however, blew up Belgium's plans with an asymmetric 4-3-3. They've been playing this all tournament, but now I get to talk about it. They take a four back and turn it into a three back when Italy have the ball in comfortable possession. The right side, Di Lorenzo, he stays put more and he's more of a, just a solid right back slash he's kind of slide central. And then Spinazzola bombs upfield on the left side, reckless abandon. And what that does is that pushes Insignia into the middle of the field, which is exactly where he wants to be cutting onto his right foot. And we'll see where that goes later on in this game. Verratti plays an upfield ball winner for Italy Jorginho, a deep-lying playmaker, is a number six. And then Barella was truly a box-to-box midfielder. Truly, he gets back and forth, back and forth. It's amazing. And then the Immobile-Chiesa balance is wonderful. Immobile is strong. He's hard-running. He makes the difficult runs to track, and then he's going to win 50-50s. And then Chiesa's got sheer pace and skill. It's a wonderful combination up there. Yeah, so kind of jumping into it, uh, Italy have... What looks like a goal uh, 12 minutes into the game um, mm-hmm. ended up getting wiped off uh, due to the, being offside. Uh, at the end of the day, it was uh, the right call, but I would say it was really hard to tell in real time. And those are one of those kind of borderlines. Should it be called? Shouldn't it be called? Um, but I guess, you know, since we have the technology, you know, it was the right call in the end and keeps the score level uh, at that point. Uh, in the 26th minute, Lukaku had a nice opportunity to score from the right side of the box. Uh, he attempts to pe- curl it past Donnarumma, um, who had an amazing diving save with his hand. Um, I just thought the Lukaku shot was brilliant. Um, he got it right between Chiellini and Barella. Um, would have been pretty much insane if he had scored just because it was perfect placement between the two of them and would have just barely slipped past Donnarumma had he not made that amazing save. Uh, and we were talking about uh, De Bruyne being injured. Like 
it looked like he was just himself, like creating a fast mm-hmm. break there. Maybe not as quick, but he definitely started this attack and created that opportunity. Yep. Turned out a pressure, released Lukaku. Yeah. The the good move by Lukaku too. It was just a quick shot that he was just trying to sneak it by. And Donnarumma, it's a really nice save. Mm-hmm. Italy ends up striking first in this game, not long after that. 31st minute, Barella puts it in. Uh, Belgium tries to clear the ball. Italy gets possession back, finds space, gets it to Barella, makes a fantastic turn and puts it in Italy up one to nothing. Yeah, I felt like Belgium got a little too cheeky here uh, when they came to clearing it out of danger. (laughs) Vertonghen tries to dribble and then pass it off to Kevin De Bruyne uh, while he's still in his own box under pressure. And this might have been a time where you just want to give it the boot. Um, And as you had mentioned, Brady, uh, Verratti, who is putting pressure, like that's kind of his job, like up front there, comes in and intercepts that pass to Kevin De Bruyne. Um, So he's making the... He's putting on that pressure. Um, he takes the ball right back into the box, slips it off to Barella, who's right next to him in the box. So it was a really tight space pass. Gets the feet of Barella. Barella is actually completely surrounded by Belgian defenders. Um, mm-hmm. There's three of them. And somehow he sneaks through them all. I, I don't know if it was indecisiveness of the defense um, or he might have like juked them enough to like get past them at this point. But um, as soon as he's clear, he just bangs it into the far left side of the net. Um, and it was a really sick turn. So good on them. But you start to question the age of the Belgian defense. Ooh, yeah, maybe. It's a great looking turn. Great goal from Italy. And it's not long after that that they strike again in the 44th minute. And Signe, what a gem of a shot from the top of the box. Essentially running free through the Belgium the defense. Yeah. Yep. This is exactly what Atini is good at. And it's exactly why Spinazzola is doing what he's doing, flying up the field on the left side. Now you don't know, do I have to worry about Spinazzola over the top? Do I have to worry about him getting a short pass? Do I have to worry about Insignia turning me? Oh, well, we're not even going to press him at all. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say the Belgians kind of disrespected him here by giving him that much space. Or back to my last point, you know, they're just getting old. So I don't know if they just <laughs> lost their legs before the half or or what was going on. You can be the judge. Either way, the end result was a beautifully curled goal at the far right, right post. And uh, I doubt he'll get that much space again in the rest of this tournament. Um, uh, Tielman's uh, also missed that tackle on Insigne, like right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it was just kind of weird because he actually had a ton of space after he gets past him. Um, and I think that time sometimes can be confusing as a defender. Like if somebody doesn't make the first like step forward and you know, this is more at like the rec level, I guess where it's a problem. You wouldn't think a professional would have this issue, but nobody steps to the ball quick enough for me. You would have thought somebody would have made a move because I didn't really think either of the guys that were in front of him had anybody to really worry about in the area. Like there was enough, there was enough of the Belgian defense back to kind of take care of any threats. So I just thought it was odd that nobody stepped to the ball. Um, and Courtois just didn't really stand a chance of, mm-hmm. of where it was placed. So There's a beautiful image of him looking back at the goal as the ball's going in, just yeah. no shot. I, I would say this is why you play weird. This is why you confuse center backs because the more you make these players think, the more they might make the wrong decision. 
And with Insigne bearing down on them, it seems, you know, from our armchairs, it seems nice and easy. Well, you got to yep. step to him. But also, it's really embarrassing if you get totally beat 1v1 or a pass right. just goes right by you. So that's why you do these things. And these are world-class defenders. We know that they're smart, but, you know, that this is why. It's a sweet shot. <laughs> it was. <laughs> really was. It was beautiful. So Italy is up two to nothing. Insigne scores in the 44th minute. Half is almost done. Italy's looking to go into the half, 2-0, feeling really good. Not so fast. Lukaku for Belgium in the second half gets hit inside the box. It's a penalty to Italy. This gives Lukaku a penalty kick, and he gets Donnarumma to dive the wrong way. Belgium scores, fighting back. Nothing worse than giving up a goal right before the half. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, I thought this is a really dumb foul by Di Lorenzo. Um, you really <laughs> yes. can't drop your shoulder like that, especially when the attacker gets past you and the refs, you know, literally watching you the entire time. Um, he should have been kind of focused, I thought, on trying to cut uh, Doku back off, like closer to the goal, or just, just you know, be constantly on him and force a really poor pass. Um, and of course, Lukaku is going to put this away given the opportunity. Um, he got Donnarumma to bite. Um, he just slotted, slotted it down the middle. So, you know, he's not going to miss that chance. No, nope. pretty strikery penalty there. It was good. I would say, just to, to focus on something different here, Doku was interesting as a player selection mm -hmm. for me because he played on the touchline kind of more winger-esque than a cutting in on his right foot winger, like an in, insert, inverted winger which made Torgan Hazard underlap him often, which he can do. We saw him score that amazing goal against Portugal. However, with Doku so wide and then Torgan Hazard underlapping, it just left Chiesa, the Italian's fastest player and one of the greatest outlets, kind of wide open and behind them. So while this one example worked and Doku got by Di Lorenzo and Di Lorenzo got a little bit nervous, just there's a tactical flaw here to Belgium's plan that Italy kind of forces. Great point. Moving into the second half of this game, no more goals were scored. However, Belgium was clearly fighting for opportunities and had multiple chances to put the ball in the net. Uh, had a really close opportunity close to the net. They had opportunities outside of the box. Couldn't get anything to go in where... That leads us to our final result of Italy walking away with the victory here, two to one. Yeah, for me, the decisive moment of this half was Lukaku miss in the 61st minute. Mm -hmm. um, Doku uh, played Kevin De Bruyne um, into the box on the left side. De Bruyne knew that Lukaku would be making a run at the far posts, and he provides him with a very nice ball. Um, Lukaku, I think his vision was blocked a little bit by Spinozola and... Um, I think he also anticipated him stopping the ball too. Uh, uh, but it ended up not happening. Um, and he made the wrong choice by kind of pulling up and thinking that, you know, he was going to get to the ball and cut it off. And it ended up leading to be like a kind of rush effort and he just completely missed. So. Yep. Agreed there. It's a bang, bang play. Mm -hmm. I just shout out to Spinazzola who is both 
bombing down the left side and attacking, but also is back here at the vital time. Just amazing. And this allows Italy to sort of fall back on what they know they're good at. Italy loves to defend. You like the you look at the guys like Chiellini and Bonucci. They celebrate defensive plays like they celebrate goals. It's incredible. It's fun to watch. And me as a defender, I absolutely love it. Absolutely. So this was another fun one. Big game. Uh, how are we feeling afterwards uh, with the results of this game? I feel bad for Belgium. Not having yeah. Hazard and a fully healthy KDB as much as many meds as he might have been under. Uh, yes. But they also, I think, were outsmarted by Italy. Yeah, totally agree. I feel really, really bad for Spinazzola. Yeah. Ruptured Achilles on that play. Definitely out for the tournament. He played so amazing. Spinazzola was so critical to the success of the Italian system in this game and in the entire tournament. Critical block in this game, like we just mentioned, yet was mostly an attacking outlet. He had 93.6% passing percentage, created space for Insigne's goal. Absolutely fantastic player. And it's one of the first times that I've seen him in world football. I guess he is a little bit injury prone if you want to put that label on him. But I just feel super bad for him and what a game. Yep. I 100% agree. I feel very bad for him. However, he can be happy for his team because Italy played Spain earlier today and beat them to move into the Euro final. It came down to a tie 1-1. Played extra time, went all the way to penalty kicks, which Italy won four to two over Spain. Very exciting for the Italy team. I'm sure that Spinazzola wish he was wish he was playing. He did play a huge role to get them there. Absolutely, and the team was sending him tons of love after this game too. It was I'm really sure. cool to see uh, they were chanting, and you know they had his jersey out there and everything. So it was it was awesome. And if you're wondering who are Italy going to play in the final, we will know tomorrow. England is playing Denmark at 2 p.m. However, a lot of other games happen this week for the Euros. Dave? Get to this point. Yes. yes. Give us the breakdown. (laughs) Yeah. uh, So Switzerland actually uh, had a thrilling game against Spain. And you almost Mm -hmm. thought for a second there that Switzerland were going to pull off another upset. Um, in penalties. It was just crazy. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't to be, and Spain pulled it off. Uh, uh, regulation, the, the score was 1-1, to uh, and it ended 3-1 uh, to one on pens for Spain. Uh, Denmark ends up beating Czech Republic 2-1, to one, uh, and England convincingly beat Ukraine very late, which is huge yeah. for England, huge for their fans who are always nervous. Uh, and for me, it's the Kane and Sterling game, uh, solidifying those Man City transfer Ooh. rumors. <laughs> or maybe it was the Harry game. Three goals scored by Harry's, two by Kane, two by McGuire. Uh, also Fantastic. wanted to point out, Liverpool shout out, Jordan Henderson gets his first England goal, uh, just beats nice. everybody the ball off a corner. It meant so much. He was screaming like a crazy person, like he normally does when he scores, because <laughs> it isn't very often. So, But a very impactful player on the field. So yeah, must tune into the game tomorrow. England versus Denmark, 2 p.m. ESPN. Check it out because, you know, I think either of these two teams, it's going to be really entertaining who's going to end up facing Italy. You got the England narrative of just never pulling off uh, what's expected from them. And then you have the Denmark narrative with the uh, Ericsson um, fallout and just them still being 
still being there. So it's going to be a very fun game. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that one. And then obviously the final going to be very interesting. We will have more for you next week on the breakdown. Actually, when does that final game take place? Will it happen this weekend? Yes. yes. Sunday, July 11th. Nice. Yes. We will mention that later too. Hint, hint. Mm. Excellent. <laughs> Actually, yeah, we can cut that out if we need to. No, leave it all in. Okay. <laughs> Bam. Jeez, this is radio. <laughs> Weenie in the butt. <laughs> Sick reference, Herman. Thank you. <laughs> 97.1. You are listening to the radio. <laughs> all right. USA Watch. The U.S. women's national team. Dave, what happened? What happened with those friendlies? I was just going to say, you know, they played uh, Mexico twice and they won both 4-0. So I think they're ready (laughs) for the Olympics. Bam. Let's go. Good (laughs) tune-up. I also wanted to point out Gold Cup starts next week. So everybody's got to be hyped. Um, Nice. We had originally mentioned um, the game... um, Against Martinique was at nine o'clock on the fifteenth. Uh, it's actually been moved to eight thirty. So I just wanted to point that out real quick. And I believe we will be fully covering that game as so the game this week. So we'll mention what time it is later and what channel when we go over our games of the week. Absolutely. Sure. And Dave, I'm going to pass it back to you for Copa America. What happened? Yeah, um, Brazil beat Peru. Uh, one nil. Uh, it was a goal by Paqueta, but uh, Neymar was honestly the creator of this goal and he was the standout of the game. Um, honestly, Brazil probably should have won this game by a huge margin, uh, but they got through, which is expected of them. And now they're sitting and waiting to face either Argentina or Colombia, which if I check real quick, let's see where we're at right now because they're playing. Yeah. And Live they're actually update. winning one uh, nil. Goal by Martinez in the seventh minute. So it's looking like we might have a Argentina uh Brazil matchup on our hands, which would be pretty excited. Yeah. That's what Neymar wants. Neymar is calling. He's got he said, I've got friends in Argentina and I want to beat them in the final. <laughs> I wonder who. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So looking ahead to next week, a lot of good games, important games. But the one that is most important, we have decided for the game of the week, is going to be the Euro 2020 final, July 11th at 2 p.m. Again, that is going to be shocker. Italy versus England or Denmark to be determined. I would also tune in for that England-Denmark game tomorrow. That's going to be a good one. Not quite as good. As the final. In the MLS, the Fire are taking on Orlando City on July 7th, which is actually tomorrow at 7 p.m. The U.S. men's national team, um, as stated earlier, is going to be playing someone on July 11th at 7.30. We're not sure who yet. Yeah, I there's love a mystery like a series game. of games. And, I, you know, it's not really uh, cut and dry exactly who's going to play who from the winners. So I looked for a little while um, and there was no useful articles, but hopefully we'll know in the next few days what's going on. So sure. just kind of check out the internet and see what, what happened in those games. 
Hey, I love a mystery game. Don't we all? <laughs> and the Copa America final is also taking place. That is going to be Brazil versus a to-be-determined team on July 10th at 7 p.m. This is the week of the finals. Oh, boy. So we got Copa on Saturday. Yeah. We've got Euros on Ooh. Sunday. Don't go anywhere. Just watch soccer. <laughs> <laughs> The week-to-week message. Don't do anything else. (laughs) That's a problem for me because I have golf to play. (laughs) No, be like us. Only soccer. Okay. Only (laughs) soccer it is. Nice. Victory. Closing thoughts before we wrap things up, boys. What's on your mind? We are going to do a better job of making our releases more consistent. This week's on me. In past weeks, it's been on other people. Who cares? But we're trying to be better. <laughs> we'll be honest. <laughs> Who cares? We're trying to be better, but the goal is to be out every Wednesday. Uh, this week will probably be out one day later because of the holiday. But for the foreseeable future, check all of the places that you get podcasts on Wednesdays. Thanks, dear listener. Yes. Thank you for sticking with us. And if this delay really angers you, you can reach out to us, windycitywingers.info at gmail.com. Let us know how much it disturbs you. I have a feeling that it really is going to throw your routine off, and I do apologize for that. You can actually blame me for this one. I'll take it, even though it definitely was Brady's fault, and the rest of them are probably Brady's fault as well, but I can't really remember that well. If you are looking to reach out directly to Brad, Brady, where can they get you? At stat underscore bro on the Twitter birds. And Dave, similarly, where can our lovely listeners locate you? WCW Dave at Twitter and Instagram. Excellent. Very good. Thank you both. Thank you to all of our lovely listeners. We will talk to you next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye.